Hey, this is Brandon Emma Richardson, and we are the pastors here at Slate Church based in Waterloo, Ontario, and this is our Sunday podcast. We really hope this message inspires you to lean into all that God has for you. If you would like to get connected with us, follow us on social media or go to slatechurch.com. And hey, it helps us a lot if you would rate, review, subscribe, and share this podcast. Join us for today's message. How are you doing this morning? Good. It's good to hear. It has been a while. I mean, I was up here a couple weeks ago for, a, uh, for the panel that we did, and that was great, but it's been a little while since I've been speaking, and some of you have probably joined with us since uh, the last time I was up here, and, um, and you might be going like, oh, I didn't know that she did this. Uh, I just don't do this when I'm carrying like a nine-pound baby because I can't breathe uh, like inside of me. Sometimes I do it while I'm carrying them outside of me, uh, and we'll, we'll see how that goes this morning. I hope she uh, does well, but I am excited to be here this morning and to be preaching and, and back up here and, and preaching this word um, to you. Uh, Brandon is away this morning. He is in Mississauga at the City Church, good friends of ours, uh, Brent and Nicole there. And uh, last night we were at a hotel. He was, he was able to stay over, but we took all of our kids to the hotel and, and uh, went in the pool and these sorts of things. None of them were tall enough to go on the water slide, but I, I was, just barely. <laughs> Barely, but I was, and I'm telling you, Brandon and I lived it up on that water slide last night. But I, I got to leave with Lucy, our uh, two-and-a-half-month-old baby, and uh, as I was leaving the pool area, while Brandon still had all three kids in the pool, I'm like, good luck, see you later. Uh, hopefully bedtime goes well, so hopefully he made it, and he's actually there preaching this morning with uh, three kids in a hotel room, but um, we are here, so I'm glad that we're here this morning. So we're going to jump in, and right off the top, we are talking about this idea that Jesus is Lord. You know, it sounds so simple, and it's something that we actually say every single week. Usually in church, we say it, we sing it, we think it. Um, maybe if you've been coming to church or you've been a Christian for a long time, you feel like this is one of those basic concepts, and that's exactly why we are talking about it today. So I'm going to come off the top uh, just reading one verse, Romans 10, verse 9. It's, uh, it's just a simple verse that says so much, and then we're going to go throughout Scripture uh, as we go through this message. But Romans 10, verse 9 says this, If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him th- from the dead, you will be saved. I'm going to read it again. If you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Why don't we pray, and then we will get into it this morning. Jesus, I thank you that we can gather here on this long weekend. I thank you that we can be together worshiping you. I thank you that we can um, gather throughout this whole day, Lord. And I just pray that you would use me this morning just to speak clearly uh, what you have given me. In your name we pray, amen. Amen. Well, I don't know about you, but I have a few nicknames. Maybe you have a few nicknames yourself. And names are this funny thing uh, that we're given. We were with the, um, the Taves family, uh, Jen and Will, on Friday for Canada Day. And it was a lot of fun. And they live in this great spot that it seems like all the neighbors do fireworks. So it was wonderful. Uh, we put on our own little fireworks show, and it, it was um, okay. I mean, it was, 
It was the best fireworks that, uh, as, as Jen said, $30 can get you. Um, it was pretty good. But then as the night wore on, it was like, oh, my gosh, like, they're everywhere. And it was, it was great. But earlier in the night, uh, we kind of uh, graduated to Parenting 2.0 is what I felt we were at. Because all of us were sitting around the table, the adults playing euchre, while our kids were off playing in another space, like nicely together. I'm like, this is a whole new level of parenting where you could actually sit and chat. I didn't know that this existed. I mean, I believed it would someday, but I didn't quite know that I'd get there this quickly. So we were sitting there and and uh, Will goes, you know, what do you guys call each other? What do you call each other? And what he was getting at was he was wondering if we called each other mom and dad. You know how couples start doing that sometimes? Uh, maybe some of the, the older couples in the room might relate to this, where you actually just have, have said each other as mom and dad to your kids so much that that just becomes your spouse's name uh, as you go on. We don't call each other mom and dad. I hope we never call each other mom and dad, to be honest. I think some of the romance has left the relationship when you start calling each other mom and dad. But there's lots of different nicknames that you might call uh, people around you that you might have yourself. Brandon affectionately calls me Irma um, a lot, all the time. He's the only one who's allowed to call me Irma, so please don't. But you have these names as well. And you know what? Jesus actually had a lot of names. He had a lot. He was called a lot of different things uh, throughout Scripture. He's called the Son of Man. He's called the Son of God. We see him called the Messiah, the Christ. As he's walking along with his disciples in Matthew 16, Jesus says, who do people say that I am? And they're saying John the Baptist or Elijah, one of the prophets. And he says, who do you say I am? And Peter responds, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Jesus has a lot of different names, but one name that has become common and familiar to us to call Jesus is Lord. And we have to look at this name. It's important to to understand the lordship of Jesus if we are actually going to posture ourselves properly as Christ followers, as believers to Jesus. So this idea that Jesus is Lord, this is one of the most exalted titles that Jesus could have. This is a title that lifts him up as master. We actually see in the Old Testament, the Old Testament was originally written in Hebrew, and the Septuagint, which is the the oldest copy of the Greek translation that we have, actually calls God the Father, Lord, over 6,000 times as a translation of Yahweh, Y-H-W-H. So we see that God is called Lord, this kind of master status, this elevated status. But what about Jesus? When we go into the New Testament, do we see the same thing? Well, we see that Jesus himself actually alludes to his lordship. And now Jesus was not the kind of guy that walked around and was like, hey, everyone, you can call me Lord. My name's Jesus, but you can call me Lord uh, if you want to. That just wasn't how he approached things. But we see in Mark 12, 35 to 37, Jesus is talking to the scribes, the religious leaders, the Pharisees at the time. And when we read this, it's kind of a riddle. So I'm going to explain it a little bit. It sounds kind of confusing. But he says this. While Jesus was teaching in the temple courts, he asked, why do the teachers of the law say that the Messiah is the son of David? David himself, speaking by the Holy Spirit, declared, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I put your enemies under your feet. David calls him Lord. How then can he be his son? And the large crowd listened to him with delight. The religious leaders didn't really listen to him with delight, but the large crowd listened with delight. You see, what Jesus is getting at here 
is that the Messiah, the Christ, he's talking about himself. He doesn't reveal it that way, but he's talking about himself. He's saying he is more than just the lineage of David. We see David saying this. He's quoting Psalm 110.1, where it says, The Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. You see, the first reference to Lord here, when we look at the text, is Yahweh. And the second reference is Adonai, which means Messiah. So Yahweh said to the Messiah, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. Jesus is saying, hey, it's important that we don't just look at, at the Messiah as the son of David. We actually have to see the Messiah as Lord. We actually have to see him elevated to the place that he belongs. Because these religious leaders had so much pride, had so much self-righteousness there. They're like, we've got this all figured out. We know the text. We know what this looks like. But Jesus says, no, we actually need to elevate the Messiah. We actually need to elevate me, which is what he's saying, to this place where I am exalted. You see, we have to also look then at the early church. Okay, what's going on here? The early church is trying to figure out what it looks like to actually elevate the Messiah. Who is Jesus in all of this? When did they adopt this? Well, they adopted it pretty early, and we actually see in 1 Corinthians 16, 22, where Paul uses the words Maranatha, which means Lord, when he says, come Lord. And the early church starts using this. We see this in different texts and in different, uh, different scholars would show this. So this idea of Lord kind of runs throughout scripture, that Jesus is Lord. So we see Paul addressing Jesus as Lord. We see that the early church adopts this term and calls Jesus Lord. Jesus himself demonstrates that the Messiah is being more than just the son of David. David himself refers to the Messiah as Lord. And then Peter calls Jesus the Messiah, the son of God. You see, Jesus and scripture, scripture points to, to Jesus as Lord, and this distinction actually asks something of us. You may be going, why does this matter? Okay, Jesus is Lord. You've made your point. Jesus is Lord. I get it. I sing it. I know it. I say it. This is, this is the way that I've oriented my life. But I wonder if you actually have. We say it, that Jesus is Lord, but his lordship actually asks something of us. When we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, as we're called to do in Romans 10, it calls for action. It calls for surrender. So if we truly believe this in our hearts, we cannot live as though his lordship is a minor component to our lives or something that is nice to say. Why is this lordship of Christ such an important reality for Christians to actually deepen their understanding of Jesus? You know, I think that there's been this kind of subconscious, collective thing going on in the church where we have kind of brought Jesus down to our level. And, and it's not this outright thing that we say. We're not saying, okay, Jesus, you're great, you're nice, you're kind. You're kind of a good uh, uh, teacher. You kind of have the lockdown on morality. Or We're not saying that out loud. But we've brought Jesus down to a level that is more or less equal with us. We've kind of allowed Jesus to get to a place where he's a great option a great person to turn to when we are in need, a great voice into the conversation. Do you ever do this? You've got something going on in your life and you go to like 10 different people 
oftentimes I'll ask people, how many other people have you talked to about this? And if they say more than five, I'm like, okay, I think you're good. You've probably, you've probably gotten enough advice on this. But we treat Jesus as one of those ten. Okay, Jesus, what do you have to say on this? Okay, I'm going to formulate my opinion based on all of this collective effort. But when our God becomes leveled with us, we actually lose hope. We actually lose the ability to surrender. We lose the ability to trust him because he's just another voice in the conversation. You see, we've been discussing challenging topics that are quite widespread in our society over the past several weeks. And it's been amazing. I was talking to Brandon about this last week, probably over the last few weeks where we've been talking about um, love and sexuality. And last week, Brandon was talking a little bit on abortion and these different things. We've probably seen between 30 and 40 salvations across our services over these past three weeks or so, which is incredible. But it just feels like there's just something after something after something. And I, I talk to people, and this seems to be the case, right, that it just feels like there's more and more happening and more to discuss and more to wrestle with, and how do we deal with this, and what voices do we let in, and how do we navigate it? And I don't know about you, but there's been several times over the past two years where I have just wanted to retreat. That has been like the, the all-consuming feeling. I just want to retreat. I don't want any more opinions. I don't want any more emails. I don't want any more people saying something behind my back that gets said to me then by that person. You should talk to so-and-so because they're upset with you. But I just, I just want to retreat. I don't know what to say. I don't know how to respond. I don't know what to do with our cultural climate right now. I just want to go into my home and retreat from all of it. And in the midst of all of this, anxiety and stress for our society has gone up. Difficulty knowing how to respond, difficulty having conversations, fear of conflict, worry, all of these different things are on the rise. And I know many of us in this room deal with these things on a fairly regular basis. So we've got this in our face, inescapable pressure that we've either put on ourselves or we've received from someone or something else. And we're going, how do I handle this? You see, the Lordship of Christ actually allows us to submit, to be found under Christ's covering, to be living in his freedom, to be protected by him. And this idea of submission is not one that we actually like to talk about too often. I don't mean us as Slate Church, but just us in general. Because we often are putting, okay, submission between a husband and a wife, and a wife to submit, and a husband, how does this work? And, and it, it feels oppressive, and it feels like, oh, that is not something that we want to talk about or something that we want to do or something that we want to have in our rhetoric. And yet submission, proper submission, actually brings so much freedom. It actually brings so much opportunity. It actually brings so much ability to live and function in the way that God has created us to be. And yet so many of us, when it comes to Christ's lordship, we want to kind of set it to the side. We want to minimize it. We want to um, bring it down to our level so that it feels like we can be more in control of whatever is happening. And yet we are crumbling. We are not thriving. It feels good for a moment to say, I feel like I'm in control. I feel like I can do this. I can make these decisions. I can lean on my own understanding of these things. And yet if we look at our lives, we are so stressed out. We are so under pressure. We are so anxiety-filled collectively. 
And this is problematic for us. And yet Jesus has provided another way. He's saying, I'm not just the son of David. I'm actually the Messiah. I am the Lord. I am elevated. You are safe with me. You can come under my covering. You can submit to me and you will be safe. This is a place for you to be. Submission to Christ actually allows for freedom. Our call is not just to believe in Jesus, but to actually surrender to him as Lord overall, as Lord of our lives. I love in mere Christianity, C.S. Lewis says this. He says, I'm trying here to prevent anyone from saying the really foolish thing that the people often say about him, talking about Jesus. And this is what the people say. I'm ready to accept Jesus as a great moral teacher, but I don't accept his claim to be God. That is the one thing that we must not say. A man who is merely a man and said the sort of things Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher. He would either be a lunatic on a level with the man who says he's a poached egg, or else he would be the devil of hell. You must make your choice. Either this man was and is the son of God, or else a madman or something worse. You can shut him up for a fool. You can spit at him and kill him as a demon. Or you can fall at his feet and call him Lord and God. But let us not come up with any patronizing nonsense about his being a great human teacher. He, was not, he has not left that open to us. He did not intend to. You see, this is not just a message for those of us in the room. You might be sitting there and going, listen, I have been a Christian for so many years. I have gone to church faithfully. I, have, I, am, I am a believer of Jesus. This must be a message for those who don't yet believe in Jesus, who have not made Jesus Lord of their lives, so to speak. So I'm just going to sit back and relax and think about something else. This is not just a message for those of us in the room who have not yet made Jesus Lord of our lives. This is a message for those of us who say this week after week after week that Jesus is Lord, and yet we live as though he isn't. We need to actually check our posture, check our actions. How are you living? Are you living in a way that says Jesus is Lord? Are you looking at the words of Jesus and the ways of Jesus and actually operating in faithfulness to that, even when we don't like it, even when we're saying this, this doesn't feel great, even when we're a little bit confused about why Jesus would say that or what that actually looks like? Are we still choosing, I'm going to submit to you, I'm going to spend time with you, I am going to be close to you, and I'm going to become more like you, and maybe that understanding and the feeling will follow. We often ignore his teaching, we debate his words, we disregard his ways, and we don't do it outright, but we do it through our actions. Sometimes we place him in the passenger seat of our lives, or the back seat, or the trunk, or someone who we can stop for directions to along the way, which I know is not even really a thing anymore. We treat Jesus maybe like Siri a little bit or our Maps app. You see, surrendering to Jesus as Lord is giving him the steering wheel. It's spending time with him and becoming like him. It's trusting that he is good and his ways are good. This is not always an easy thing to do. Can we just get honest about that? It's not always an easy thing. When we're reading scripture and it feels like, man, Jesus, isn't that a little bit harsh when you say it like that? Isn't that a little bit, oh, I don't know if I could actually be that way. We have to pair 
the words and ways of Jesus together. And this is reiterating something that Brandon talked about last week, but how many of us know that sometimes we hear a message, go, that was awesome, and then we head out and we forget a lot of what was talked about. The words and the ways of Jesus have to go hand in hand. Because Jesus does not compromise on sin. And sometimes when we're reading through these passages, we feel like, wow, that's harsh. Or wow, that's a lot. Or I don't know if I can live up to that. Or I don't know if that's actually who I am. Or would this Jesus actually accept me if I can't be that all the time? But then when we look at the way of Jesus, we see his grace and we see his mercy given out to people. As Brandon talked about the woman in the act of adultery, as much as adultery, Jesus ups the ante on as sin. He meets her where she is at. He forgives her, and he says, go and sin no more. We see this in Luke 19. We see this man named Zacchaeus. And Zacchaeus was a, a wee little man. A wee little man was he. He was short. But he wasn't just short. He was a tax collector. And these tax collectors were not great people. They were rich people, but they weren't great people. They were working for the Romans, and they were overtaxing the Jewish citizens, those who were oppressed, and they were, they were taking more than what they, they really ought to because it wasn't regulated, and so they were becoming really rich off of this. And the Jewish people hated the tax collectors. They were seen as the, the, the outcasts, the people who had turned their backs on their people. They, they were the, the worst people. And here's this little guy, Zacchaeus, who's a tax collector, who was kind of taking from everybody else, and he wanted to see Jesus. And I can just imagine the crowd that day, how annoyed they would have been with him. Zacchaeus, get out of here. We don't like you. Stop trying to see Jesus. We want to see Jesus. We're all trying to see Jesus. Stop it. And Zacchaeus goes, and he finds this tree, and he climbs up the tree so that he can see Jesus. And I can just imagine the distaste or the, the rolled eyes, or the people looking at one another like, oh, there's Zacchaeus, hate him. And yet when Jesus walks by and he sees Zacchaeus up in the tree, he calls to him and says, Zacchaeus, come on down from there. I'm going to eat with you tonight. I'm going to come to your house tonight. And the people were appalled by this. They're like, what is he talking about? He's going to go with the like, scum of the earth, this tax collector. Isn't this the same Jesus that earlier said how difficult it is for the rich to get into the kingdom of heaven? Isn't this the same Jesus that it seemed like he was being so harsh on this and now he's going to go eat with them? I don't understand it. And this is kind of how we operate. Because when we fail to see that Jesus is Lord over all, sometimes we can see this perspective of Jesus that is warped with our own reading. If we fail to submit to Jesus and just say, well, we'll see about that, prove it to me, that you know what you're talking about. We can lose sight of Jesus' lordship. When we only read the words of Jesus, we can miss out on the ways of Jesus, and we can become too harsh and critical with ourselves or other people. When we only focus on the ways of Jesus and not the words of Jesus, we can lose out on the lordship of Jesus, that he was serious about these things. Because Jesus calls Zacchaeus down, he says, I'm going to eat with you tonight. And when Zacchaeus comes into contact with Jesus as Lord, he repents. But Jesus doesn't expect him to repent before he's willing to eat with him. Jesus meets him right where he's at. You know, in Philippians 2, 
verses 6 to 11. Paul writes this about Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking on the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is enough. We feel like we have to be enough. And this is why we level him to our place. Because for some reason, we feel like we have to be enough. In our grief, in our tragedy, in our situation, in our workplace, in our family, in our parenting, in our education, in all of these different areas and spheres, in our friendships, we take it upon ourselves to be enough in our morality, in our good works, in the way that we operate as human beings. We do not have to be enough because Jesus is enough. We simply need to surrender. And you know, we may not see the difference immediately that a surrendered life makes. It might not be instant. It might not be feeling like all of the stress is gone and all of the worries are gone and everything is just wonderful now that Jesus is Lord in my life. We might actually be really challenged by it. Do I actually have to, you know, am I actually going to follow this part of what Jesus says? Am I actually going to operate in the way Jesus operated here? Because that means that person that I don't like because they're, you know, they're so full of themselves and they're so, maybe I actually need to, Invite them in and invite them in before they've got it all figured out. And do I actually want to operate this way? It might not be immediate. But over time, little by little, as we orient ourselves towards acknowledging and recognizing that Jesus is Lord, we have the freedom then to work it out. We have the freedom to make mistakes. We have the freedom to repent. We have the freedom to come back to Jesus time and time again. We have that covering over us that allows us to orient ourselves towards his lordship. And we cannot fail to recognize the significance of this church. If we are going to navigate the murky waters of the world that we live in, the divisive topics, the challenging conversations, the, the things that are going on in our personal lives, the, the conversations that are happening in our own minds. If we are going to navigate that, we cannot do it on our own. We will lose our hope, we will lose our direction, and we will end up lost. And it might not be today, but we are headed in a direction that is not leading to life. With Jesus, you will be met with kindness. You'll be met with a loving Savior. When we encounter Jesus, when we encounter his lordship, it actually changes things for us. You know, I'm going to take a moment just to pray here. And band, you can come back up. Again, this concept is not a new one. It's not something that you've never heard before. 
But it's something that will completely revolutionize your life over time if you actually choose to surrender to it. If you actually choose to re-surrender to it. To remind yourself that I don't have to have it all figured out. I don't have to always like everything that I see Jesus doing and saying. I can be challenged by this. But I'm also going to make a choice day after day after day to follow it. And to follow him. He's someone you can bet on. He's someone you can lean into. He can hold your weight. He can hold your problems. He can hold your issues. He can hold your difficulties. He can handle it. Some of us walking in today don't realize how much you are holding on to. But just take a moment here and think about what are the things you're thinking through? What are the things you're worrying about? How have you responded to the people around you lately? What are your dinner conversations like? What are you talking about with your friends over a game of cards? What is bubbling up and coming out of you? Is there rest knowing that Jesus is Lord? Is there peace in your life? Do you have this patience? Do you have an ability to sit with people and walk with people? Can you hold space for someone else? If these things are difficult for you, and listen, you're not alone because they're difficult for me too, then maybe we need to surrender a bit more today. Maybe we need to release something else today. So why don't you stand wherever you are right now and you can close your eyes. I'm just going to take a moment to pray. I want to pray first for anyone in this place who you might go, um, I've actually never made Jesus Lord. I've never allowed him to be Lord of my life. He is Lord over all. But you've never made that personal decision to say, Jesus, you are Lord. I don't have to have it all figured out. You actually came and died for me. You actually made a way to the Father. You made a way for me to be whole and complete in you. And it's very simple. We go back to that verse that I read right at the beginning in Romans. If we believe in our hearts that Jesus is Lord, and confess with our mouths, we will be saved. It's that simple. All it takes is you going, yep, I believe it. I believe that Jesus is Lord. So with every eye closed and and head bowed, if you're in this place, I just simply want to pray with you. You know, there's nothing so special about this particular moment, but sometimes we need a moment in our busy lives to actually stop and think and reflect and, and, and check in on ourselves with what we want and what we want to do. And so if that's you, I just, want, I just want to ask you, would you just raise a hand up right now, wherever you are? I just want to pray for you. Yeah, I see that. I see that. Let's pray, church. Jesus, I thank you that, that you came. And you didn't just come as a human. You came fully human. You came fully God. You were perfect in every way. And I thank you that you died, Lord, and that you rose again. And you took on all of our sin, all of our shame, all of the stuff that we carry. So that we could actually live in your freedom. So, Lord, I pray for everyone making that decision today, God, to make you Lord of their lives, Lord. We just celebrate with them. We thank you that they are part of this family. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on, I said we celebrate with them. We're going to go back into worship for a few minutes here, but 
I just want to pray. Again, eyes closed. If you're in this place and you're going, I need, to, I, I got to surrender something here. I need to surrender some stuff here to God. And you just want to do that today. Would you just put your hands in a posture of surrender? Just, just up and out in front of you. Just re-surrendering, allowing Jesus to be Lord. You don't have to have it all figured out. How freeing is that statement? And it's not just a nice thing to put on Instagram. You don't have to have it all figured out. You're going to be okay. Everything's fine. No, you don't have to have it all figured out because you serve a God who does, who already has it all figured out. And we can walk out of here free today knowing that we have a Savior. So let's just pray. Jesus, thank you. Thank you for being Lord. Even when we don't find the things that you said popular with our society today. Even when we don't know how we can walk in the ways that you walked in. Even when we're unsure of what to do. You are Lord. We are covered by you. And today we lay down worry. We lay down stress. We lay down fear. We lay down anxiety. We lay down the sin that we are carrying. We lay down the pressure that we have placed on ourselves or that we feel others have placed on us. And today we reposition you into your rightful place in our lives as Lord, our hope, our salvation. We turn to you, God. We trust you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for listening to our Sunday podcast. To hear more messages like these, be sure to share and subscribe. We're thankful for all that God is doing in our church right now. We would love to have you be a part of what is going on. You can connect with us by filling out a connect card online at slatechurch.com. And hey, stay tuned for more content coming soon.